no matter what happens in their lives. And uh, for the past few weeks, we've done a little series called You Think, and uh, that has been a really great series. And, and last week, Tim brought a great, a really super message uh, about community, being community together, and being transformed by the renewing of our minds and not being conformed to the world, but being, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. After today, we're going to uh, start a new series, and it's entitled The Other Guy. Who can guess what that would, say, would mean? Who, any, any ideas? No, it's not treating other people. Yeah, it's about the Holy Spirit, the other guy. Uh, and so that will be for a few weeks. We thought that was really cool uh, title for a, for a sermon series about the Holy Spirit. And today I thought that because it's Baptism Sunday and we were transitioning from community, talking about community into uh, talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that I just talk about fingerprints. And you're all looking at me, another one of those uh, titles. So we're talking about fingerprints. What is God's fingerprint for Rivers Church of Christ? We heard that, uh, that passage read from 1 Corinthians 12, and that's a passage that talks about spiritual gifts in the first uh, 11 verses, and then it talks about the body of Christ. Now, when we talk about the body, and I was thinking about the body, the human body, and thinking, how amazing is this body that we're given? Sometimes we don't think so when it starts to fall apart, or when you get a bit of pain, or when you have to engage all of those sorts of things, you think, who made this stupid thing? But when you look at the body, it is an amazing thing. And there's a website, uh, an article on a website called 100 Cool Facts About the Human Body. And they are cool, I'm not going to read out 100 of them. But I'll, I'll read out a few of these cool facts of the, about the human body. The brain operates on about the same power as a 10-watt light bulb. The ladies are laughing. They think they're talking about the men. <laughs> but it operates on that power even when you're asleep. 80% of your brain is water. So when you say, my brain's gone to mush, that's true. It's 80% water. Nerve impulses to and from the brain travel as fast as 275 kilometres an hour. It was in miles, but I converted it. Every day, we lose around 60 to 100 strands of hair. Some people just don't have much less left to lose. <laughs> Women's hair is about half the diameter of men's hair, so when you say that man's a bit of a thickhead, you're probably true. That's right, ladies, isn't it? Men are a little bit thick sometimes, we'd even admit it. Fingernails grow four times faster than toenails. That's an interesting fact. The largest internal organ in the body is? Internal, internal, internal. The small intestine. The human heart creates enough blood pressure, enough pressure to shoot blood over nine metres. The acid in your stomach is strong enough to dissolve a razor blade, but don't attempt it. Don't demonstrate that. Your left lung is smaller than your right to make up room for your heart. 
feet have 500,000 sweat glands, and sometimes we can smell that they do, and they can produce nearly half a litre of sweat a day. Isn't that awesome? This is cool facts. A full bladder is the size of a softball, unless your kids are on a car trip and it's the size of a golf ball. Your, your nose can remember 50,000 uh, different scents. Your eyes are always the same size from birth, but your ears and nose never stop growing. I can tell. That's not a nose, Greg, that's a double garage. Um, <laughs> I'm in deep doo-doo now. It takes 17 muscles to smile and 43 to, to frown. Go figure. Babies are born with 300 bones, but by adulthood it's reduced to 206. Humans are the only living beings to produce emotional tears. Every day our bodies produce 300 billion, billion new cells. It's, it's this illustration that the Apostle Paul uh, goes to when he writes about God's plan for the church. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. When you think about a human body, it's fascinating, isn't it? When you, and some people learn for years about the human body and the functioning and the anatomy, the physiology, and still... There are facts and, and processes of the human body that really aren't fully f discovered just yet. It's amazing, fascinating body. Never, and no two fingerprints are exactly the same, are they? None of us have the same fingerprints. We are each unique. Each of you in this room are unique. You are all special. And because you are and as you are special, God honors and values you each uniquely. But He honors us together as a community. As people who come together, we are unique. We have gifts and talents, but those gifts and talents aren't just for ourselves. Those gifts and talents that we have are to be complemented with one another, they are made to link together. They are made to honour other people and join together and to be effective together. They're not made to be in isolation. Today I pose a question to all of us today, and I'm sorry for the, those who are visiting with us. This is a question for the folks who belong here, but I hope you find that interesting, that this question, what is God's fingerprint for this church? Often we read this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 and we think about our local church and what do I do in, within my local church. But the church of Jesus Christ is far bigger than one local church. It's a worldwide movement, if you like. It's a worldwide organism that there are many churches. And one of the, and we'll talk about some of that fingerprint and how we as a church uh, respond to that. I began asking this question, what is God's fingerprint? Before I arrived here, 
as this senior pastor of this church and it will be five years anniversary on the 18th of March. You've had to put up with me that long. That with those sighs of... <laughs> People said to me, you need to come and stamp your own vision on the church. As soon as you get there, stamp your own vision as soon as you arrive. Well, I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. Even though human thought says that's what you should do as the senior leader. I had the idea that I would spend about 12 to 18 months getting to know people, building relationships and listening to the story of this place. For this place has a story as each of you have a story. And do you know that your story is really important? Do you know that your story is important not just to you but those around you? And sometimes we, in our Western culture, stop telling our story because we don't want to be vulnerable or, or our story is regarded as in, um, just not good enough or it's put down or it's put aside. Our stories are really important and the story of this place is really important. And I discovered that over the years, over this church, and this church has been in existence or on this place 30-odd years. How many years, Tony? 33, 1983, so 33, it's coming up to 34 years, it's been on this, uh, this building has been built. It, it began in the 70s as a church meeting in other places. And there have been these words of encouragement or words of prophecy over this place to say that this is a lighthouse. And I've heard it many times from different sources and people reminiscing and thinking, I've heard that before, that this place is the lighthouse in a community. So I wanted to understand what it is that the story is on this place because in the story we see the fingerprint of God. In your own story, if you look enough, you will see the fingerprint of God. If you look in the Bible we see absolutely the fingerprint of God over human history. And so there is this fingerprint in, on this church. So often in churches, we try to make it up as we go along. But if you see the movements of God in a group of people, you'll see his fingerprint. When I was about eight years old, my dad, who's here today, uh, was a bank manager with the ANZ Bank. And we moved to Surfer's Paradise. What a terrible place to live. Uh, well, it was much better then than it is today. And so we lived at Surfer's Paradise from 1970 to 1972. Uh, so now you can tell that I was born in 1962. You don't have to count, okay? Because you're all going... Mm. And so Dad was the uh, ANZ Bank branch manager at Surfer's Paradise. And I went to Broadbeach State School. And I remember catching the, the weekly bus, the Surfside bus, and it cost 60 cents a week to go there to school and back. That was a lot of money, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Now, at school, we didn't have a pool to learn, uh, to learn our swimming. And so what we did, we went across the road from Broadbeach State School, we went across the road and over the sand dunes and here at the beach. What a terrible place to go to school. And... Uh, and so we would go over the beach and we would learn how to swim in the surf. 
I don't know if you've learned to, to swim in the surf much, but do you know what to do when you're caught in a rip? Apart from put your hand up. Yeah, there is this... Oops, hang on. There is this way that a rip works and it goes out and then it travels along the beach and comes back in. So if you're in a rip, instead of trying to swim back against the, the rip into the, the beach, which you'll get tired and you'll probably drown from exhaustion, you travel with the rip, along with it, and then you try to catch a wave in as the rip comes back towards the beach. That's how you, you handle a rip. Yeah? The way to handle a rip is to go with the flow. The way to handle a rip is to go with the current so that you come to the place of safety, so that you're not going to drown trying to fight against it. And you know, sometimes we fight against what God wants us to do and, and it makes us exhausted and we don't win and we don't do so well. But God says, I have a plan and a purpose for you as a person and for you as a church Find out my plan, see my fingerprint, and go with the flow. Have you ever ridden a bicycle along a road? Most of us have. Do you know the best, play, the best way to pick up speed on a bike? Apart from going down a hill. When the Pantech truck drives past, you slip in behind and you get sucked along by the slipstream. That's the best way. That's the most exciting way to uh, go fast on a bike. Everybody, anybody ever tried it? Oh, come on, be honest. Yeah, yeah, I see a few. I see those hands. The only thing is that you can't see where the truck's going. You've just got to watch the indicators and the brake lights. And there's something like being, uh, following the Holy Spirit and where he leads us and seeing that he is there and getting in behind him and getting sucked along by his slipstream and watching the brake lights and the indicators because he is the one that goes in the right direction. In the riptide or the rip, you must go with the current to survive. If we want to see the blessing of God in our lives, we must go along with his current, as it were, along with his direction. If we're going to go well, if we're going to be the most effective in our community through Moreton Bay Community Matters and, and other uh, ways in which we touch our community, if we're going to see the blessings of God in our midst, we've got to go along with God. And he says, come, follow me. As Jesus said to his disciples, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Come and follow me. We've got to go with his current, with his direction. If we're going to catch the current, we've got to recognize what it is and jump in. In Ezekiel, there's this uh, passage about getting into a river. You can paddle around on the outside and get your ankles wet. You can get knee, uh, go down into your knees, or you can, if you really want to go where the river's going, and it's saying into the presence of God, you've got to get right in the middle of the river and go along with its current. If we're going to go into the places where God wants us to go, we've got to recognize that and jump straight in. We heard from the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 12 about the body and we understand that we're all unique and we're made for a purpose. Those who realise that Jesus is true, that he's real, 
that he died for our sins to restore us to relationship with God, just as Jonathan and Matthew have shown us today is they went through the waters of baptism and confessed that themselves. If you've received him into your life, we are what he calls the body of Christ. We are his living representation on this earth. We are the ones who shine his light. We are the ones who express his love. We are the ones who reach out to people and give them the good news that their sins can be forgiven and they can be restored in relationship with God and they can live a life that's abundant. They can live a life with him that's full and life-giving and rich and even through the tough times and the, the difficulties to have a life that's filled with joy because we love him and because he loves us. If we are the body of Christ, there is a head and none of us are it. Jesus is the head of the body. What part of, do you play in this body? What part do you play in the body of Christ? What part does Rivers Church of Christ play in the body of Christ? For as we said before, the church is worldwide. And we are together with many other churches. And so one of the stamps and one of the, the fingerprints of God upon this church is this is the church for the whole church. For we meet with pastors of other churches, leaders, chaplains, and we pray together and we cooperate together and we build relationship together. And that's a part of the fingerprint of this church is that we are to reach out and to build those relationships with other churches. It doesn't matter what the brand is on the door. It doesn't matter what name is on the door. It's because we all believe in Christ. As a leadership, we've been asking these questions about what's the fingerprint of God over rivers. And over the years, I've discovered that a number of times that there have been those words over the church that rivers, uh, that we are lighthouse, rivers exists to be a light into people's hearts. We exist to bring the light of Christ into the dark places of people's hearts. We exist to bring the light of Jesus into people's homes, into the darkness of homes. And we exist to bring the light of Jesus to our community, into the street into people, to people wherever they might be, every nook and cranny, whether they're homeless or have a home, whether they're destitute or they're wealthy, God calls us to bring light into people's lives by being his people. If I was to ask you this question, it would probably elicit lots of those stories about being a part of this place. And it's not, just to understand uh, the word that I use is proud, but... It's not in the context of pride, but it says, what are you proud of being here? Your minds start to think, don't they? What do you love about being here? I could ask stories and there'd be lots of stories and we'd be here for a while listening to the, the testimonies and the stories. Hey, and I know Jenny Eames would tell us heaps of them. You sit in the middle, I pick on you. What are you proud of being here? What do you love about being here? We understand that 
there are some of our values, and these are some of our values, that we are Christ-centered. He is our everything. He is our life. The Bible says that in him we live and move and have our being. It's him who's our life. We are focused on the Bible as our final authority for faith and life or faith and practice. We help people to grow in faith and become strong disciples of Jesus. We love our community. We love our community. We love Kalanga and beyond. We love it because God has placed us here and we love to serve people. And we're focused on the kingdom of God. We're not here to build the empire of the Rivers Church of Christ. We're here to see the kingdom of God extended, to see Jesus come and build his kingdom in this world. What does that look like? Well, now I get to play on the... On the... A friend of mine had a dream and he didn't understand what the, uh, the interpretation of this dream was, but he sensed it was from God. And he dreamt of an apple tree. But he didn't understand what this uh, dream meant. And a lady he knew came to him and she said to him, you've had a dream and I've got the interpretation. That sort of knocked him off his socks. He didn't even ask. She just came and said, you've got a dream and I've got the interpretation. And so he talked about this tree. I want to draw my own because I've got some other bits to put on it. I hope I can draw a good enough tree. And this tree is on a hill. Can you see that tree? No? I'll enhance it with a bit of blue. Can you see it a bit better? Wesley, it's blue for the purposes of today. You always get one of those students, you know. <laughs> you have to give him... Sorry? The, oh, you're the art student. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. Now, this, this apple tree has heaps of wonderful big red... Now, they're big. Just give me a chance, Wesley, will you please? Um, <laughs> I'll make a big one for you. So it's, it's got... This tree is full of apples, beautiful red juicy apples. Have you ever pulled an apple, a beautiful apple off a tree and eaten it straight away? You're nothing like an apple. And as my dad said, when we used to pick guavas, he always taught me when I was a boy, nothing sweet, better tasting than a guava pinched from someone else's paddock. But anyway, <laughs> that's right, isn't it? You know, you didn't know I remembered that. <laughs> And so there's this apple tree on a hill. And what he saw in his dream was all these people uh, streaming from miles around to come to, see, uh, to come to this apple tree and partake of the wonderful fruit. And the lady said to him, you've had a dream of an apple tree on a hill and people are streaming from miles around to come to partake of the apples. That's a picture of the church an expression of the church, and that's okay. What does an apple tree church look like? Probably one called Hillsong. You know, Hillsong Church, they're, they're part of our family. 
we got the same dad as them. Maybe a Bridgman Down Baptist church that has two or three thousand members. That might be an apple tree church. And that's okay, that's good. But then he saw something else. I've got a picture of one. He saw underneath the apple tree was this potato patch. And there were people in the potato patch digging potatoes. I'm not going to draw potatoes because Wesley will think they're bad. <laughs> and, and, there's, and there's no one, no one walking for miles around uh, queuing up to get the potatoes out of the potato patch. It's just the people in the potato patch digging potatoes, growing and digging potatoes. And the interpretation of this part of the dream was, this is an expression of the church. And that's okay. What does a potato patch church look like? Sorry? Yeah, they're the ones in places where it's unlovely and difficult. They're the, play, they're the, chur the church and understand that the church is the people, not a building. The potato patch people or church might look like meeting in a coffee shop or in a home. They might look like uh, doing the, the difficult things that others won't do. And they might sort of fly under the radar a bit and uh, not really be noticed like the, the apple tree church. God has called us to be an apple tree church in a sense, but it more so he's called us to be a potato patch church. I met a, uh, a Methodist, a United Methodist minister in Mississippi in, in the United States and uh, Kerry was a really lovely guy and he told me, told a story and I've told this story here before but for your benefit. He was given a gift from some of his parishioners and that was for him and his wife because he'd been working hard and um, I started praying for parishioners like this. <laughs> no. They came to him and they gave his wife and he tickets to, for a cruise uh, around Europe in, in, in the fjords of Norway and stuff. And beautiful cruise. And, and he was on this beautiful ship, if you've ever been on a cruise ship. It's painted white, it's gleaming, it's lovely. It has all the entertainment, it has everything available, all the food's cooked for you, your beds are made, and, and it's pretty swish. And he went on board this this, uh, he and his wife on board this ship and they came into the main fjord of uh, Norway that went up into Oslo and they came alongside on the wharf and there was this dirty ship it was a really ugly dirty ship ahead of uh, his ship and he stopped one of the crew members and he said uh, excuse me would you be able to tell me what that ship is tied up along the, the wharf there and the guy said oh yeah that's an icebreaker and he said like some stupid American, I said, what's an icebreaker for? <laughs> and the guy said, well, an icebreaker, particularly in winter, the fjords can ice up and it can uh, block the, the passageway to get into the safe harbour. So the icebreaker uh, breaks through the ice so that ships can come in into the safe harbour and come into the capital city. And he said, God spoke to him just like that. And he said... What you're standing on is a representation of the church. 
It gives great entertainment. It has paid professional staff. It provides all of your needs and it's gleaming white and it sails around and around and around and around. And God says, I don't want my church to be like that. I want my church to be like the icebreaker where every crew member has his job. And they make that, that they cause that ship to work and, and fulfill its purpose and that's to break the ice and to allow pass, safe passage into a safe harbour for other ships. What sort of church are we? We're, we're a potato patch church. We're a potato patch church and I know because I see it in each of you as you connect with people in your everyday life, as you come alongside of people and you love them, as you touch their lives with a sense of positive message of Christ, without the expectation that they would come to Christ in faith of their own, if they don't, we'll still love them. But we desire that people would come to know Jesus because he is the answer to the world's issues. He is the answer to our spiritual problems. He is the answer to spiritual death. He comes to make us new and to restore relationship with us and God again. And that's the desire that we have for our community that it comes to know Christ because therein is the life-giving power of God. We are a potato patch church, but what does that look like? We are diverse. We are not a church that has the same theology all the way around, are we? You know, we're allowed to have discussions over theology. And we're allowed to disagree if we need to. But we're allowed also to be wrong. And we're allowed to be right. We focus on Christ and we focus on the Word of God but sometimes different people interpret different parts of the, of the Bible uh, different ways. But together we can walk together because we belong to a kingdom. And a kingdom that's diverse with different people. A kingdom that has eyes and ears and nose and, and bladders and things. And uh, different parts to a whole body that interact together to make the body whole. Imagine a body that was just one big fat hand. What a waste that would be. It wouldn't be able to achieve anything. We need the body to interact together. How else are we? We're creative. There's a creativity in this place called Rivers that is unique, particularly in music. There is a wealth of talent in this place that some people just don't get to have in their church. I've been, in, I've been involved with two uh, brand new churches and I've been in services where we sing to the CD player. We've got a wealth of creativity in this place. And not only do we have it in this place, we share it with others. I know that these guys here play in other churches. Uh, last year, the Baptist, North Pine Baptist Church was having a family camp and... Uh, uh, there was a, a number who didn't go to camp and they needed someone to play, lead their worship. Who did they call? They called us. Why? Because they knew that we would love them and, and help them. And Jen was their cook on their family camp as well. And they came back alive. Um, You'll pray for me, I know that. 
Jen's a, Jenny is a, a great cook. She cooks for all of the youth groups on Friday nights and stuff. She's fantastic. Because I come and snaffle some of the, the stuff. We are willing. Do you know the percentage of people volunteering in this church is so big compared with other places? Willing people who want to put their hand to help and to serve and to honour God and to honour each other. We are permission giving. It's okay. It's okay if you want to give something a crack. If you believe that God wants you to do something, go for it. And let us help you to do it. Let us walk beside you. Let us help you if you make mistakes. And you know that's what we, we are allowed to do here is make mistakes. My, and again, another message from my dad. He's, you know those things that keep, keep coming around in your head that your dad put into your head? You know those things? They haunt me. <laughs> my dad always says, if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing your job. Remember? Always taught me that. It's one of the most important lessons in my life. That it's okay to make a mistake. Just learn from your mistake and get on with it. So we're allowed to make mistakes in this church. That's okay. If you can't make a mistake in the family of God, you can't make a mistake anywhere. We're empowering. And so if it is that we, if you as an individual says, I believe God in this, let us help you. Let us empower you. I have a, a value in, in my leadership, and particularly now that we have 12 staff, including the Pays team. We've got a fair whack of people leading this place, and they're great. But I have this value, low control, but high expectation. I'm not going to design the stuff that they need to do in their individual ministries, but I'll expect that they'll give it their best and seek God in it and support them and pour into them and make sure that they do well. So if we're going to be a potato patch church, there's going to be low structure, isn't there? We've discovered, and as we've sought God, that we're not a church that grows like that, we're a church that grows like that. And that might mean that we grow in partnering with other churches. That might mean that we grow in planting other churches in other places. But we're not going to be a church that... Uh, goes, identifies an area and just goes and plants the church in competition with other churches. We're going to go into other places where God puts on our heart. We're going to approach the existing churches and say, how do we partner with you for the sake of the kingdom of God? We're not in competition with other churches, folks. We were in our prayer meeting this week and the pastor from the Uniting Church was there, Wendy. She's a great lady. And she said, did you get an Asian lady with a few kids on Sunday? And I said, not sure. And Josh said, no, I didn't come this Sunday. She said, well, I've referred her on to you because I know that you have a strong kids ministry and she's, she'll, hopefully she'll come and bring her children to your church. Isn't that great? It's not about building an empire. It's about building the kingdom. And so we want to be organic. Let things happen the way that they do. God is in the midst. He's working already. He's been working since before the foundation of the earth. He's already at the on the job. Let's get in line with what he's doing. And we're ascending place. A Baptist pastor, a friend of mine, I get on with Baptists, they're okay. 
they're great folks. This Baptist pastor friend of mine said to me, I'm totally amazed with your church. How do you do it? And I said, whatever do you mean? He says, everywhere I go, I meet people who are in other churches, but they've been at Rivers first and they've been discipled, equipped, and now they're serving at another church. How do you do that? And I said, we just follow what God wants us to do. Send people as they need to go. Send people to the places they need to go. Send them to the Marshall Islands. Send them to Watoto, Uganda. Send them to places that God has put on their hearts and equipped them and, and helped them to do it. We're a sending church. And we're a planting and partnering church. By the means, and I love this, uh, and I'll just finish now. Um, are we that long ahead? Wow. This is that uh, couple of verses from that chapter out of the Message Bible, and I loved it. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. Don't you love that? We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptised. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are now no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Don't you love that? That is really good. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. My friends, I am so excited to be a part of this church because this church is unique. People say to me, you do things in that church that we don't see in the body of Christ. How you reach out into other churches, how you accommodate people from all different places, how you love the whole church and how you send people to help other churches. Isn't that exciting? We are in a unique place and not only that, we all have different views on different things but we're all in that place where we're saying, let's keep talking about it. Let's keep working together. Let's keep standing together for the sake of Jesus because it's him that we serve. If you're in this place today and you think this is all very strange, this is weird stuff, well, I want to tell you that Jesus came to this earth to give his life on behalf of yours so that you might have the opportunity of being restored in relationship to God, that you might have the opportunity of knowing him eternally. If you've never received Christ into your life, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you to consider Christ. 
I'm imploring you and I'm begging you to see that he loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you so much, more than you can ever know, that he gave his own life for you. Receive Christ. Ask him to come into your life. And he does the rest. You might say, I'm too dirty. I'm not good enough. Well, you know, if I work in my yard all day and get dirty, do I have a shower before I come into the house? No. I come into the house dirty. I have a shower, get changed, put clean clothes on. God doesn't require us to be clean when we come into his house. If we come into God's house, he'll clean us up. He'll make us new. He'll give us a new heart. And he'll make us into the person that he wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, in this place right now, we invite you to come. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way amongst us. To have your way in our hearts have your way in this body of people called rivers we invite you we surrender to you afresh this morning we lay our lives down for you we lay our lives down for you and to you as we come to this our communion time this is the time that we honor you Lord Jesus but this is the time that we remember we remember that you gave your life for us. And so as we receive the elements that will be distributed, would you remind us and enter our hearts afresh to God. In Jesus' name. Friends, tonight time is for communion. If you're not normally here and you love Jesus, you're welcome to share in communion with us. We have an open table. Uh, those who are helping, would you come forward and we'll distribute the elements. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had broken it, he gave thanks and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Take heat in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you. My blood shed for you. Take and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake together. Just have it as you desire.